Hey, podcast listeners, thanks for streaming today's podcast from Pathway to Victory. Pathway to Victory is a nonprofit ministry featuring the Bible teaching of Dr. Robert Jeffress. Our mission is to pierce the darkness with the light of God's Word through the most effective media available, like this podcast. To support Pathway to Victory, go to ptv.org podcast and click the donate button or follow the link in our show notes. Now, here's today's podcast from Pathway to Victory. This is Robert Jeffers. In response to the horrific attack on Israel, I've written a brand new book called Are We Living in the End Times? Go to ptv.org to order your copy. Remember the question you're supposed to ask an unbeliever? If you were to stand before God and he were to ask you, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? Well, let me change that question for Christians. If you were to stand, no, when you stand before God one day, and he is to ask you, what do you regret most? about your relationship with me. What would you say? Welcome to Pathway to Victory with author and pastor, Dr. Robert Jeffress. You know, none of us knows exactly how many days we have left, but we do know this. Every day can have an eternal impact. Today on Pathway to Victory, Dr. Robert Jeffress helps us refocus our attention on the things of God, because when all is said and done, God's kingdom is the only one that will endure. Now, here's our Bible teacher to introduce today's message. Dr. Jeffers? Thanks, David, and welcome again to Pathway to Victory. Let me start with a question. Are you aware that Pathway to Victory publishes an exclusive magazine for you? Pathway Magazine has become one of the most popular resources in our collection. I've written daily devotional thoughts for you, plus we've included articles on Christian living issues. And I'm prepared to send you a complimentary first edition when you get in touch with us today. To receive Pathway Magazine, just follow the simple instructions at ptv.org. It shouldn't surprise you that Pathway to Victory is fully focused on providing resources that help you find your personal Pathway to Victory. And I don't know that I've ever written a book that's more personal and more practical than the one we're offering this month. The full title of my best-selling book is Say Goodbye to Regret. The subtitle is Living Beyond the Would-Haves, Could-Haves, and Should-Haves. Look, we solve nothing when we ignore the mistakes of our past. And the vernacular, blowing off your worst moments, will cause damage to your soul and your spirit. God's plan is to address those bad memories, forgive them, and to help you move on. And I'd be happy to send you a copy of Say Goodbye to Regret when you give a generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory. Now, it's time to face one of the common regrets that haunts so many folks. So let's get started. I titled today's message, Say Goodbye to Spiritual Regrets. Our friend Erwin Lutzer has written in his book, Five Minutes After You Die. Five minutes after you die, you will either have had your first glimpse of heaven with its euphoria and bliss, or your first genuine experience of unrelenting horror or regret. Either way, your future will be irrevocably fixed and eternally unchangeable. In those first few moments after you die, you will be more alive than you've ever been. Vivid memories of your friends and of your life on planet Earth will be mingled with a daunting anticipation of eternity. You will either have had your first glimpse of Christ 
or your first encounter with evil like you've never known before, and it will be too late to change your address. Let me ask you honestly, how does the thought of dying and facing God, how does that make you feel? Are you thrilled at the prospect of meeting God? Or does the thought terrify you? If we were honest today, I think many of us would say, we're terrified at that thought, that prospect. Many Christians are fearful of ever standing before God. Why is that? I think if you get down to the essence of it, that fear is part of the nagging sensation that they've not done enough to be obedient to God. Yes, they know they're saved by grace, but they still know there are some lacking areas in their life. Now, the easy pat answer to that is, oh, well, they just need to understand grace because grace means God's gonna treat all Christians just alike when they get to heaven. But common sense, and more importantly, biblical truth tells us otherwise. Heaven isn't going to be the same for everybody. We are going to have our lives evaluated by God, even as Christians. One of the core passages we've looked at before that deals with that truth is 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 through 15. Paul writes about our evaluation as Christians by God. Now, if any man builds on the foundation, the foundation of his life with gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, and straw, each man's work will become evident for the day, the judgment will show it because it will be revealed with fire and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built on it remains, he receives a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss even though he himself will be saved, yet so is through fire. You know, that passage tells us three things about our inevitable evaluation by God. Number one, every Christian's life will be evaluated by Christ. Secondly, the passage reminds us that some Christians will experience greater rewards than others in heaven. And third, this passage reminds us that many Christians will experience real measurable loss because of their lack of faithfulness, obedience, you say, well, where is that? Again, look at verse 15 of 1 Corinthians 3. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer what? Loss. What kind of loss? I think you could substitute the word regret there. We will suffer regret as we realize all of the rewards that could have been ours had we been not more faithful to Jesus Christ. Now, we have to be careful here. To overdo the reality of regret in heaven in heaven one day is to turn heaven into hell, and we don't want to do that. But to deny the fact that there'll be regret in heaven is to make our obedience to Christ irrelevant in this life. No, there is going to be a loss, a regret by some in heaven. What are those regrets? You know, there was a popular question we used to use in evangelism explosion. Remember the question you're supposed to ask an unbeliever? If you were to stand before God and he were to ask you, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? Well, let me change that question for Christians. If you were to stand, no, when you stand before God one day, 
And he is to ask you, what do you regret most about your relationship with me? What would you say? Most of us don't have to wait until we die to come up with those regrets. We know exactly what they are. And today, for the few minutes we have, we're going to look at the most common regrets Christians have about their spiritual life and how to avoid them and how to reverse their effects in our life. Number one, and I hear this so often, I wish I had become a Christian or I wish I'd become more serious about my walk with God earlier in my life. Both of these regrets have to do with wasted time. Well, pastor, you're piling up a lot of guilt on me because I haven't been faithful. I, I came to Christ just recently and I wasted so many years or I became a Christian when I was little, but I spent years in disobedience to God. What words of encouragement do you have for me if I have that regret in my life? Two words I want you to write down. First of all, the word justification. The word justification, remember, is a legal term that means not guilty. And the Bible says the moment you trust in Christ as your Savior, God declares you not guilty. He forgives you of not just some of your sins, but all of your sins. You are perfect in God's eyes. You are forgiven. You never have to worry about hell because of some unforgiven sin. God has declared you not guilty. Doesn't that thrill your heart to know that we are perfect in God's eyes and we never have to worry about our sin being dredged up again? But the second word to remember is the word sovereignty. You know, the word sovereignty refers to God's rule over the earth. God is sovereign. He is in control. There is nothing that happens in the universe apart from his permission. And he is sovereign over your life as well. He is in control of your steps, your missteps, and your stumbles. There's nothing you do that surprises God. You know, one of the great verses about that is Psalm 139, verse 16. David said, and in your book, O God, were written all the days of my life before there was one of them. Do you realize before the foundation of the world, God planned your life, not just how many days they were or what those days would be, but the activities and the actions that would fill every page. Now, pastor, are you saying God wills our disobedience to him? God wills our rebellion? No, I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is God is so powerful that he can take every part of our life, even our mistakes, and use them for our good and his eternal glory. You say, where do you find that in Scripture? All I have to do is look at the example of the Apostle Paul. Remember in 1 Timothy 1, he gives us his spiritual autobiography. He said, beginning in verse 12, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me into service, even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor, yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And yet for this reason, to get this, for this reason I found mercy so that in me as the foremost of sinners, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. Paul said, I'm exhibit A. 
of God's ability to forgive anyone. Now think about it. If the Apostle Paul had had my story, if he had become a Christian when he was five years old, growing up in the First Baptist Church of Dallas, and the worst thing he had ever done before his conversion was stealing somebody's crayons, could Paul have written, oh, if God can forgive me who stole crayons, he can forgive anybody. That wouldn't be much of a testimony, wouldn't it? It should be, but it just wouldn't. It kind of falls flat. But Paul was guilty of much more. He was a blasphemer. Before he was a Christian, he blasphemed, spoke out against the name of Jesus Christ. He was a persecutor of Christians. He was a violent aggressor. That word refers to violence he committed against Christians. He would torture Christians, men, women, and children. He would put them to death to try to make them recant their faith in Jesus Christ. Is there anybody here guilty of that? I doubt it. And yet Paul said, God saved me is exhibit A of his mercy and grace. If God could save me, he can save anyone. What I'm trying to say to you is God used the mistakes Paul made for Paul's good, but for God's eternal glory. And that's the marvelous thing about the sovereignty of God. God causes all things to work together for good. Not just the good things in your life, but the horrible, unspeakable things in your life. God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. If you have regrets about your past, either as a non-Christian or as a disobedient Christian, remember those two words, justification, God has forgiven you. You are perfect. You can't do anything to make him love you anymore. Justification and sovereignty, he can work all things in your past together for good. A second regret many people have is, I wish I had spent more time praying and reading the Bible. Sometimes Christians look back with all the wasted time in their life, the hundreds of hours they've spent over the years watching inane television programs they can't even remember, or hours scrolling through social media, their Twitter account or Facebook or Instagram, and they think, if only I had spent those hours praying and reading my Bible, I'd be a spiritual giant by now. If only. Well, the fact is, you didn't spend those hours doing those things. And the even more depressing news is you probably won't spend hours doing them in the future. I know that seems kind of pessimistic, but it's just the truth. So quit thinking that way. Instead, start small. I uh, read a booklet years ago that made such an impression on me. It was by a guy named Robert Foster, and it was titled, Seven Minutes with God. And Robert Foster said, if you're not used to spending time with God, praying and read the Bible, just make a commitment that you're going to spend seven minutes a day. In fact, he gave an outline that I reprinted in your outline about what you should do on those, during those seven minutes. He said, first of all, start with the first 30 seconds being devoted to prayer. Just thank God for giving you a safe night and giving you another day of life and service for him. And then secondly, spend four minutes reading scripture not for the purpose of studying the Bible or acquiring knowledge about the Bible, but to allow God to speak to you through his word. Don't try to read your three chapters of the, um, through the Bible in a year plan. That isn't the place for this. This is praying not for knowledge, but for application. 
Lord, speak to me. What do you want me to change in my life as a result of your word? And then the final two and a half minutes used for prayer, a prayer that is balanced. You know the old acrostic acts, A-C-T-E-S. A stands for adoration, praise God for who he is, his attributes. The C stands for confession. Take time to confess your sins to God. The T stands for thanksgiving. Thank God for what he's already done for you. And then the S in that Acts acrostic stands for supplication. That's the time you ask for God for not what you think should be in your heart, but what is really in your heart. Asking for your most pressing desires. Here's what Robert Foster says. Very soon you will discover that it is impossible to spend only seven minutes with the Lord. An amazing thing happens. Seven minutes becomes 20, and it's not long before you're spending 30 precious minutes with him. Again, it's not the length of your devotional time that matters, but the consistency of it. And this is a great way to erase the regret of not spending time with God. A third regret many Christians have is this. I wish I had done more to serve God in my life. I wish I had done more to serve God in my life. The fact is, we all need a place in the body of Christ to serve. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, we must all appear before the judgment seat that each one of us may be rewarded for what we have what? Done. D-O-N-E. Not who we are, what we have done for Christ, whether it is good or worthless. We all need a place of service. We may not be able to spend 10 or 20 or 40 hours a week, but we can spend some time. I don't agree with everything theologian and pastor Tony Campolo has said through the years, but one thing I do agree with is something he said to a group of college students in Washington, D.C. Speaking to thousands of college students, he was trying to persuade them to get involved with ministry, and he said this, the average person spends 20 hours a week watching television. Will you commit to spend just three hours a month visiting the elderly in the nursing home, teaching a Bible study, or working in some other form of ministry? Thousands responded yes to that. I think the reason they responded is because it was a reasonable request. Most of you don't work for a church. You have real jobs. And uh, I know some people think that. But I realize You don't have 10 hours a week or 20 hours a week between your family and work responsibilities, but everybody has an hour a week they could devote. You know, we have a saying here at First Baptist, no one can do everything, but everybody can do something. And I would just encourage you, find that one thing that utilizes your gifts and do it. We all need a place in service in the body of Christ. And then the final spiritual regret I hear from so many Christians, I regret not doing more to encourage my children's spiritual growth. I regret not doing more to encourage my children's spiritual growth. One of the saddest funerals I ever conducted was years ago. It was for a six-year-old boy who had run out into the street to retrieve a soccer ball and was struck by a car, killed immediately. And the family was overcome with grief, obviously, but the father especially so, 
because of his lack of spiritual leadership in the home. He was a successful salesman for an up-and-coming company. His schedule required him to leave home early Monday morning and fly out and be gone all week and not come home until Friday evenings. And because of that schedule, the family decided to buy a lake home nearby their primary residence. And so every Friday night when he would get home, they would all pile in the car and go to the lake house for the weekend. And they would enjoy camping and fishing and boating together, then come back late Sunday night. This little six-year-old boy had an insatiable spiritual appetite. He loved to hear Bible stories. He loved to read the Bible. He loved singing Christian songs. He had a prayer list a mile long. And every weekend he would say to his dad, dad, can't we just stay home and go to church? Can we go to church? Can we go to church? And the father would say no. It's not because the father didn't like the church. He loved the church. But in his mind, he needed to be with his family. And he thought, we'll do this for a few years then I'll have enough money and I can retire and we can live a normal life and go to church. He didn't realize how little time he really had. And he had and has that continuing regret of listening to his child plead to come to church, a request he said no to. Now, most of us, fortunately, will never have to watch our children die. But what we will see it's inevitable as our children go through a difficult time in their life. It may be a wrong relationship they get involved in. It might be a questioning or even departure from their Christian faith. It might be a destructive habit they become entangled in. But if that time occurs with your children, will you be able to say with confidence, I did everything I could to encourage my child's relationship with God. Ladies and gentlemen, what we do now matters for eternity. We can't erase the mistakes we've made in the past, but we can make decisions today that will change our tomorrow and our eternity. Do you need to trust in Jesus as your Savior and have your sins forgiven? Do it today. Do you need to reconnect with God through prayer and reading his word? Do it today. Do you need to find a place of ministry in God's kingdom's work? Do it today. Is there more you can do to encourage your children's relationship with God? Do it today. I'm sensing that God's spirit is moving in the hearts of listeners all around the world right now. He's quickening our memories and nudging us to address some of the regrets that haunt us. So let me give you a practical next step. I've written a book for you that talks about saying goodbye to spiritual regrets, but my book addresses 10 topics in all. It's called Say Goodbye to Regret. The subtitle is Living Beyond the Would-Haves, Could-Haves, and Should-Haves. This is a topic that speaks to us all, and that includes me. If you're spinning your wheels, getting nowhere, maybe it's because God is calling on you to address your regrets. Whether it's a frivolous investment you made that went south, or a relationship that's gone sour because of your anger, you'll find biblical restoration in these pages. 
While there's still time, please get in touch and request your copy of Say Goodbye to Regret. By the way, many of our parents and grandparents have found this practical book has helped heal relationships with children and grandchildren. A copy is yours when you give a generous gift to support the growing ministry of Pathway to Victory. In closing, I want to remind you that Pathway to Victory has a way of honoring those who sign up for monthly automated giving. We call this family of supporters our Pathway Partners. You determine the amount, and you can automate the process or simply send in your gifts every month. I'm asking David to explain how you can become a Pathway Partner. In doing so, you're the one who's boldly proclaiming the gospel to people you may never meet this side of heaven. David? Thanks, Dr. Jeffress. Our goal is to reach 1,200 Pathway Partners during the month of January. And you can help us achieve that goal when you follow the easy steps to sign up online at ptv.org. Now, when you give your first monthly gift or when you give a one-time gift to support Pathway to Victory, we'll say thanks by sending you Say Goodbye to Regret. That's the best-selling book by Dr. Jeffress. And when your gift is $75 or more, you'll receive not only the book, but also the complete collection of audio and video discs for the brand new Say Goodbye to Regret teaching series. Call us at 866-999-2965. One more time, 866-999-2965. Or give online at ptv.org. You could write to us. Here's that mailing address. P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. Again, that's P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. I'm David J. Mullins. Join us again next time for the message, Say Goodbye to Financial Regrets. That's coming up Wednesday on Pathway to Victory. Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffress comes from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas. In response to the alarming war in the Middle East, Dr. Robert Jeffress has written a brand new book for you. It answers pressing questions like, are we living in the end times? In this time-sensitive book, Dr. Jeffress answers seven questions about the future, such as, what are the major events of the end times? Request a copy right now by going to ptv.org. It's called, Are We Living in the End Times? To receive your pre-release copy, go to ptv.org. You made it to the end of today's podcast from Pathway to Victory, and we're so glad you're here. Pathway to Victory relies on the generosity of loyal listeners like you to make this podcast possible. One of the most impactful ways you can give is by becoming a Pathway Partner. Your monthly gift will empower Pathway to Victory to share the gospel of Jesus Christ and help others become rooted more firmly in His Word. To become a Pathway Partner, go to ptv.org podcast and click on the Donate button or follow the link in our show notes. We hope you've been blessed by today's podcast from Pathway to Victory.